When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Golf Unfiltered podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Cog Hill Golf and Country Club. I am so excited to partner with them once again in 2022 because they've got a lot of great stuff going on, including an entirely redesigned and renovated driving range and practice area. It's got Top Tracer. It's got, what, like 42 heated bays, individually heated, by the way. And it's even got a food truck and much, much more, such as two bars. Yeah, that's right. Go out to CogHillGolf.com today to learn a little bit more. And, of course, you already know about all their great golf courses, CogHillGolf.com. We're also pleased to continue to work with our friends at WorldwideGolfShops.com. You've heard me talk about them many times before. They've got everything you need for golf. They've got apparel, accessories, training aids, all the new equipment. They've got deals like every single day. And going out to WorldwideGolfShops.com might just help you improve your game this golf season. WorldwideGolfShops.com. Welcome to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for all things golf, including in-depth interviews, new equipment highlights, and answers to golf questions you might be too afraid to ask. My goal? To help you learn more about the game so you can enjoy it even more. Let's dive in. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, a special episode, emergency podcast, if you will, of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. You can follow me all over social media at Golf Unfiltered, and you can send me an email, Adam at GolfUnfiltered.com. Well, folks, last episode, or Monday's episode, I should say, I mentioned that I would no longer talk about Live Golf. I found it boring, and I found it annoying. I was wrong. I wanted to make sure that we brought somebody on who can help give us a little bit more perspective as to what we just witnessed on Live Golf day one of this new upstart competing golf tour, uh, and I believe we've delivered today. So Whit Watson, he of Golf Channel fame, you have seen him all over TV, NBC Sports. He's an Emmy award-winning golf journalist and TV analyst. He joins me today on the show to talk about Live Golf, his impressions of not only how the event was covered, uh, and he's got a really good perspective on that, but also all the aftermath after day one. I can't stress that enough. This is just the first day. So Wit was kind enough to join me for a half hour today to talk a little bit about what we all saw. Before we get to the interview, just a quick reminder, if you are a fan of the 90s theme golf accessories, and you know what I'm talking about, NoonanGolfCo.com. I am a uh, a proud ambassador of Noonan Golf Company. Go out to NoonanGolfCo.com and use promo code NOFILTER to get 10% off your first order. And they've got all sorts of crazy designs out there. Check it out. I'll talk more about them. You'll, you've seen me tweet about them on Twitter. But without further ado, sit back and relax. Here is my conversation with the one and only Whit Watson. Welcome back, everyone, on YouTube, as well as everyone listening in uh, the world here today. Uh, very excited to welcome on for the first time Mr. Whit Watson. He is of the Golf Channel Emmy Award winning. Whit Watson, how are you, sir? I'm great. It's been a really odd few days leading up to you and I talking, hasn't it? I was actually online before we started looking up what the definition of a nonprofit corporation is. That's <laughs> something I've never had to do in 12 years at Golf Channel. Um, oh, it's 
yeah, it's it's been an off the charts few days. It certainly has. And we're going to talk about all of it or as much as we can pack into about 30 minutes or less here with. But uh, obviously today we're recording this on Thursday, day one of Live Golf, the debut in London. Uh, the Live Golf Invitational. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk. It's been the talk of the golf world, but we'll dive into all of that before we do. What is your overarching summary from your perspective as as to what we just experienced over this last seven days that you just said? Um, you know, the, what we saw today was not exactly what this started out as. And, and all the reading I've done over the last couple of weeks you know, there was first there was the Saudi Golf League proposal, and there were some different figures involved, and and then this, the, those figures changed, and now it's live. And so what you're seeing is not exactly what was originally proposed. And the fact that we even got to a point where they were actually playing golf with players that you know on a golf course mm. was the most jarring aspect of the whole day for me on day one because it just seemed like this is not really going to happen, right? Like, I'm just going to talk about it and it's going to fall apart, right? No, they they played. They're, they were on the golf course and they're going to be on the golf course tomorrow and the next day. And I think that is kind of the slap to reality that everybody is feeling right now is they actually did this. And I right. watched the broadcast early online. It was a good broadcast. I mean, it looked like a European tour event. You know, it's really kind of had the same vibe. Um, so I think my my sort of, Initial takeaway is, okay, this is really happening. And then the tour, you know, announced penalties for the 17 players that have not resigned their memberships. And, and it just kept building, you know, during the day that this is really happening. This could actually be a rival tour to the PGA tour. And I don't think anybody really believed it until the pegs went in the ground in London. And here we are. Yeah, totally agree with you. And I watched the coverage a little bit earlier today on YouTube as well. And it was just, first of all, you have to tune into YouTube to watch it. That was new and that was different. Yeah. And obviously all the different uh, aspects of the format, being a shotgun start, being 54 holes, being team-based, and you've got these ridiculous logos and apparel that go along with it and the names, uh, not to mention. But I think I, I would certainly agree with you that it, to, until this point, golf was almost an afterthought. Yeah. It was all of the buildup up to it. And then, oh, wait, there's Phil Mickelson again with uh, somewhat of a beard. And there's uh, all these other players that you certainly uh, recognize. And then there were a few fresh faces, as it said in the intro video that uh, Live Golf said as well. Um, is this finally something that maybe media, independent folks on Twitter, fans of the game just need to say, you know what, this is going to be around for a little while? Well, it certainly seems that way. I mean, the, the money supply is endless, as we know. So there are not any kind of financial straits. I don't know how many years the organizers are willing to lose money because they will lose money the first year, first two years, first three years. Um, you know, you don't you don't go into this. I would assume they're not going into this solely as a sports washing exercise. I'm assuming that they do want to actually turn a profit at some point and have mm -hmm. a viable sports league. I'm, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. Right. Um, but I think, yeah, you're, we're going to, and, and the other half of it is how soon until the other shoe drops and the legal battles begin, because I mean, that's been brought up as early as today. You know, Ian Poulter was asked about that question after the first round of the first event, you know, are you going to consider legal action? Because he's one of those players indefinitely suspended. And he said, well, we're going to look at all of our options. And, and, Norman's group has said that they'll pay the legal bills. 
So, mm. I mean, this is just the first shot in what's going to be a very long and drawn out process. Uh, but in the meantime, they're going to play in Portland and they're going to play the next event and they're going to play the next event. And they're talking about 14 or 15 events next year. Um, so again, it's, it's not going away now, whether if, if it gets covered in the national media, the non-golf, non, non-golf media, traditional media, will it be covered the way the PGA tour is covered kind of remains to be seen. I, I, I feel like not initially until it proves that it's going to stick around. And then you can't ignore the fact that Dustin Johnson's playing next to Phil Mickelson. I mean, you can't, you know, you can't let that pass. So yeah, we're, we're entering a really strange time right now. Yeah, absolutely. And apologies to the people who listen to the uh, show. You'll probably hear the sirens and the listeners to this podcast are no stranger to those passing by my window. From your perspective, as someone who covers the game, who does it for TV, and obviously your your uh, show notes are legendary. You've shared pictures <laughs> on them. They're just so Thank incredible. But from your perspective, watching the coverage on YouTube, you had said it felt like a European tour event. It yep. did seem like it was pretty well done. Was that your impression as well? Absolutely. Um, I know the director, Steve Beim. I've worked with him before. He's a pro. He knows what he's doing. Um, obviously, I know Jerry very well. Jerry doesn't miss. You know, he was going to be ready for it. Um, I don't know Arlo or Dom, but they're all professional broadcasters. And, you know, if, if there was going to be something, um, to go wrong, I would think it would be on the technical side, you know, something, uh, a a graphics machine goes down or cameras go down or whatever, but even that aspect of it, uh, they were ready. They, they, they had a show date and they were ready. And you had guys that knew what they were doing sitting in those chairs with the headsets on. And you had guys that knew what they were doing in the truck with the headsets on. And it, I mean, honestly, if you had flipped past it and not really paid attention, you might've thought it was the KLM Dutch open. I mean, Mm -hmm. it, it really just had like, it was like the early morning European tour coverage we used to do back in the old days and still do to some extent, the DP world tour uh, on golf channel. Um, so in that, in that aspect, I congratulate them. It was a great first day. I mean, coming, going from zero from nothing to producing a golf tournament, which is not the easiest sport to produce. They did an amazing job. I thought. Yeah. And one of the taglines they've been touting is this don't blink blink uh, aspect of it's just, constant with the shotgun start element of it that made it even more complicated from a coverage standpoint to keep everything orchestrated and coordinated well it's it's easy when you have unlimited budgets yeah when you go out there with 50 cameras that makes life a lot easier um something like 50 cameras 80 microphones i I mean you know a champions tour broadcast on golf channel i think is a maybe a six camera shoot i think Mm. something like that um they're using 50 so, and you have to, because of the format, right? It's a big ballpark. So you have to have enough cameras to cover all the players. You have to have somebody on every hole all the time, right. which in a normal tournament, you don't have to do. So, um, yeah, that, all that takes is money. <laughs> you know, it's just, if you have it to spend, you can hire as many camera operators as you want. Um, but in this case, it's a necessity because that's the format that they pick, that 18-hole shotgun. Some of the chatter among my friends uh, watching the coverage was how much the commentators were selling the product yeah they were they were going into it hard and we all understand that you kind of have to do that on the first day um from your impression do you feel that that's kind of a tone that they're going to set from now on or obviously you have to wait and see how the product is accepted by the masses 
I think, um, I mean, to start, you have to, because you are definitely trying to find a way to bring people back next week and the week after that and the week after that. And even though they don't need the money, I would assume they wouldn't say no to sponsors. I'm assuming that if someone approached them and said, we'd like to put our name on that product, they're not going to turn it down. Mm-hmm. So in many ways, you're recruiting. You're, you're trying to convince businesses uh, that this is a legitimate enterprise, number one. And number two, we can do a good job of it. Here's the broadcast. Look, we're not, we're not clowns. Like This is a real show. And if you'd like to be a partner with us, then you know, let us know. Um, and so there's definitely a sales job going on. I, nobody's sitting in those seats. And I haven't talked to Jerry. I actually mm-hmm. found out that he got that job because someone texted me. And said, wow, did you see the thing about Jerry? I, I hadn't um, seen him for a long time. Mm. I'm, I'm very, very sure that, that they have been in meetings uh, encouraged to, 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 to sell it. Every, they can read the newspaper, right? They know what's going on. They know the backlash. They know what people are saying about it. And I'm sure they are encouraged to put on a hard sell, especially for the first event. There's no doubt. There's even been screenshots posted online uh, on Twitter, for example, of some of the speaking points that not only the media probably received, uh, but also the players. And we saw a lot of the same themes and phrases being said among the players at the press conference. Uh, what were your take? What was your take initially from the days leading up to today of what the players were saying? And you had mentioned everyone reads the newspapers or surfs online. Right. They definitely had a uh, orchestrated and coordinated response. They've had some media training going into this, and um, I, I'm not surprised by that. You would have to because you know what questions you're going to get asked, and it's going to be very difficult for you to give any kind of satisfactory answer to any member of the media, right? You're going to get asked the same question in various forms mm-hmm. several times. So you're going to need to know how to turn it around, uh, how to take control of the narrative. Um I heard really interesting one. And yes, the players, for those that don't know, as you pointed out, the players have received a document with talking mm-hmm. points, a, a bullet, you know, a memo uh, kind of saying these are the messages we're trying to get across. And every time we go to a PGA Tour event or an LPGA Tour event, we get a document from the sponsor saying these are the talking points we'd like you to bring up about our company. So this mm-hmm. is not unusual. Uh, mm-hmm. In this case, it's a document that's that's points about live golf in general and what we're trying to sell. That's, that's part of the job. I mean, and and especially given the controversy behind where the money is coming from, Mm -hmm. um, I'm not surprised that players and broadcasters are, are sort of reading from that playbook. I'm glad they're getting help uh, because some of these guys are not, you know, the players are, some players are not as media savvy as others, right? There are some that that kind of, um, stumble through their press conference. And so I'm sure it was probably uh, a relief to get a little bit of help to know what to say when the inevitable question comes up. I, I agree. And even as an onlooker watching some of the responses and and following many of these players, Graham McDowell, Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, and the like, hearing their responses to some of these questions of real human rights issues, as well as things that are happening in the world, you know, some of them almost came across a little disingenuous insofar as using golf as this golden answer to everything. I yeah. I, I felt a little weird hearing that. I didn't I wonder what your take was on hearing answers of, yeah, you know what? Golf is just going to solve all these issues. It, it's part of the messaging. Um, mm-hmm. I do believe that, you know, these guys 
have the mindset of independent contractors that have been doing this for a long time. And as Poulter said, I've been playing golf worldwide for 25 years. Why is this any different? Mm. Well, the difference is where the money is coming from. And, and that's the question that no matter what they say, you, you can't answer that without bringing up, you know, the, the atrocious human rights record and et cetera, et cetera. And I think, um, even if somebody was honest and said, look, this is generational wealth we're talking about. This is life-changing money. I'll never make this much money on the PGA tour. I'm doing this for my family, for my kids, my grandkids and their kids. That's really not going to be a very satisfactory answer to the people asking the question. So instead it's a little bit of a, it's a dodge and it's a dodge that I'm sure they were coached on, you know, to, to talk about, well, let's talk about the great things that golf has done for the world. And, and I'm sure those guys believe that to an extent. I mean, golf gives back, as you know, more money to charity every year than every other sports league in North America combined. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not that. <laughs> this is not giving to charity. This is giving to players. This is, you know, guys, like I said, securing their families for generations. Uh, the problem is where the money is coming from. Right. Yeah. And that's been the the ongoing sentiment, if not uh, agreement for the majority of people covering the game, myself included. And, you know, does that extend to the employees working the tournament? I couldn't help but but watch even the on-course uh, reporters getting quotes from players saying, hey, you're all affiliated with this too. You're not hitting the shots, but you're still affiliated with this. Do you think that extends to them? Yeah. I mean, I think you have to, you know, you have to have a conversation with yourself and ask yourself how much it matters. You have to ask yourself what you know, does it matter? I mean, the the entire controversy, the whole basis, the reason why we're talking about this from day one has been the problem is where the money is coming from. It's right. The people who are sending the money and what they do to their own people. Right. Mm-hmm. That goes for anybody working in any capacity with the live tour. If If you really and truly believe, and I'm willing to give anybody the benefit of the doubt, that the Saudi government is attempting to change, if they are trying to change their ways, then you might be uh, okay with jumping on board and saying, I'm going to be a part of this effort as this nation evolves. Um, if you don't believe that or don't care, and you look at it as this is a once in a lifetime financial opportunity, I will never have this chance again. I mean, I, I get it. I don't know that I would agree with it, but I get it. And, you know, this there's no precedent for this. No one's, no one's ever tried this or floated this before. So, you know, some of the conclusions that we draw on day one of the first tournament, I think maybe we ought to tap the brakes a little bit. Um, but yes, to answer your question, I think that that uh, is an internal conversation that everybody associated with the tour has to have at some point. In his opening comments, Greg Norman referred to finally getting this off the ground and it's been in the works. And I think he said for over 30 years, of course, referencing other efforts that he's made uh, for upstart tours. Is this a big win for him? Is this finally his moment to stick it to the PGA tour? I don't know if it's a win yet. Um, He has achieved his goal of antagonizing the PGA tour. Um, Everybody that covers golf knows that he harbors a grudge against the PGA Tour because the World Golf Championship concept is essentially what he was pitching to Tim Fincham 10 years before the WGCs ever happened. Mm-hmm. And and Fincham not just said no, but kind of humiliated Norman, basically crushed it. 
and then the WGCs magically appear. And gee, doesn't that sound like what Greg Norman was suggesting? Right. Um, that's his mindset, not mine. That's his. Sure. Right. Um, so there's always been a little bit of antagonism. He's always been a very aggressive player. He's always been the great white shark. He's a guy that takes risks. He's a lot like Nicholson in that regard. He's kind of an adrenaline junkie. And, you know, the, the battle sort of excites him, I think. Um, and he wants to be proven correct at the end of the day. I think he's he's off to a, I mean, and, and it's been, the, the ineptitude of getting to this point has been comical. It's just misspelling players' names, you know, press releases that start with the phrase, surely you jest. I mean, right. it, they've been horrible leading up to this. So as I, as I said before, just the fact that they played golf today is a victory for him. Yes, that's his first win. It's one nothing. <laughs> the, the game is just starting as right. far as Norman versus the PGA Tour. Yeah, and it, there was a lot of talk about the job he was doing and the effectiveness of being the public face of Live Golf leading up to today. You know, Norman has certainly right. had uh, many missteps, to say the least, uh, well, you know, speaking to other reporters about different issues and being pressed on very important questions. Do you foresee, and I know we don't have crystal balls here, but do you foresee him spending less time with a microphone in his hand? We're talking about Norman? Norman, yes. Um, yeah, that's a good question. It certainly, it would probably behoove them to keep him away from the cameras and keep him away from the microphones, but I don't know that he can take that. I don't know that he can stay away from the spotlight. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't watch the entire broadcast today, so I'm not sure how much he was involved in terms of being, you know, part of the on-air product on, on day one of tournament one. Um, but it, it would not be the worst. I mean, then again, he was also being, he's also being paid to be the face of the, of the tour. Right. So I would imagine that, uh, that Liv would like him to have some kind of a front facing role in all of this. The problem is that, as you point out, he's been kind of, um, stepping on his own foot uh, every other day leading up to this. Um, but he's got time. I mean, he's got time and he's got uh, fairly patient backers and, and all the money in the world. So there's no real rush, you know, to go win the PR battle. I mean, he got DJ to come play. He got Phil Mickelson. He's getting Patrick Reed. He's getting Graham McDowell. I mean, he's, he's, he's doing okay, you know, so far so good as far as he's concerned. So, um, I don't, I don't imagine he's going to step out of the spotlight. I don't think that's exactly in the cards. Immediately following the tee shots, we were waiting for the first tee shots to be hit because we knew something was coming from the PGA tour and it came from the PGA tour. You had referenced in the beginning, uh, suspensions, uh, we'll probably see a, a number of different things. The most shocking thing to me with was the list of names at the bottom of the statement. He just called them out. This is yep. who it is. Uh, what was your take on the, uh, the Jay Monahan uh, release? They are clearly taking it seriously and, and they're being direct. They're being transparent. Um, I, I was a little surprised that he was going to list a list of names. Um, but I mean, the tour is obviously stating that they mean business, that you know, they promised there was going to be discipline and they delivered. Um, and it also tells me that, that, that live golf is viewed as a threat, that they're mm -hmm. taking this seriously. Um, again, I think that a legal conflict is inevitable and I am sure that the tour anticipates this as well. Um, that, you know, do they have the right to prevent independent contractors who have otherwise earned membership on the PGA Tour from competing on the PGA Tour? Um, mm -hmm. As a nonprofit, 
could a lawyer for an Ian Poulter argue that what you're doing is hurting the game of golf and your nonprofit status depends upon you advancing the game of golf? Let's mm -hmm. see your books, which I, I know the tour doesn't want to happen. No company would want that to happen. Um, but obviously they're not backing down, are they? I mean, that was a fairly, that was a pretty bold first first punch uh, in this, in what is going to be a, a long uh, conflict was to put the names on paper, but they're, they're not scared, I guess. No, it definitely didn't come across that they were. And, and certainly everyone's kind of waiting to see what the majors will do. The U S open next week, they've already said, you know what, we're going to stay open to everyone, which makes right. sense. It, it's an open, um, we're all waiting for Augusta. And I've been hearing that Augusta may be waiting for what the RNA does. Uh, mm. But there's also the other side of that coin. Augusta doesn't really answer to anybody and they'll do what they want. And they also don't like eyeballs on them, especially from a controversy standpoint. Uh, where do you stand on all that? That's a very good point <clears throat> about Augusta. <clears throat> as far as the USGA was concerned, and by the way, I think Mike Wan is one of the smartest people in the world. I got to know him when he was the commissioner of the LPGA Tour. And I think he handled it perfectly. He said, you know, the players that have qualified for the U.S. Open have qualified for the U.S. Open way before they ever hit a shot in London. So, you know, they're going to play. What happens after that, we'll, we'll deal with at the right time. And that was the only correct answer, right? Mm -hmm. um, the Augusta National question is a big one. Are they going to stay in lockstep with the PGA Tour and honor the ban? Or are they going to stay away from it? Um, if you are a Dustin Johnson or a Phil Mickelson or a Patrick Reed, a player that contends and has qualifications into major championships, if you can play the four majors and then get paid to play the live tour, I mean, is that not the optimal life? That's the best schedule a golfer could possibly have. So yes, what the other governing bodies do is critical, especially for the guys at the very top. We're talking about a small group of players, but the guys at the very top on this on the live tour uh, are really hoping. You know, Dustin Johnson has said, "I expect to be at Augusta next year. I'm a former champion. I have a lifetime exemption to play at the Masters." Well, you do until you don't, <laughs> until they change the rule, which they can do tomorrow, as you well know. Um, but yes, that is that's a huge question coming up for these guys. Do we anticipate? Obviously, we've heard other names that have already first been rumored to be joining later, but now it's almost all but confirmed. Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Reed, others. Right. Are they waiting even now to see how these first 54 holes play out? And can they change their mind on a pivot? I, I think they've signed contracts, if I remember right. That's a good question. I mean, I would. I, yeah. I definitely wouldn't sign before the first one. I might sign for the second one. You know, I want to see how it goes. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, DJ saying yes, I think emboldened a lot of players who maybe had shied away. And my understanding was that Liv went back to some other players after DJ said yes and said, are you sure you don't want to do this? And, right. you know, may have gotten a couple of guys on the second pass. Um, you know, you've seen, I'm sure, the story that Tiger was offered something in the ridiculous nine figures and right. turned them down, which I would expect him to do. Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, shout out to my guy. <laughs> that he's not going to be there for the U.S. Open. Right. <laughs> um, I like that. So, uh, you know, if if you had the ability to wait and see how the first week went, I mean, the prudent thing to do would be exactly that. Let's just see how this goes before I commit to 
resigning my PGA Tour membership or getting you know suspended indefinitely from the PGA Tour. Um, you know, and 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 what's the money like? Because I, I think uh, you know, for a lot of these guys, that is the prime. It's that's the primary motivator. Like I said earlier, we're talking about generational wealth. We're talking about life altering. My kids never have to worry, and their kids never have to worry. Um, and I, you know, I don't know what else is driving them besides that, because that's right. that's the the reason why this tour is even being talked about right now. And it's a lot what a lot of people are talking about as well on social right. and the the in my opinion the annoying comebacks of well if you were offered that much money would you wouldn't you take it and it's just this land of hypotheticals and I'd like to say what I would and would not do uh, but in the same uh, instance there's a lot of people that have to ask those questions and those are the journalists that are being kind of treated to a different experience this week, to say the least. We're hearing all of the things about people being ushered out of the press conference, for example. Obviously, yeah. there's the backdrop of how Saudi Arabia has traditionally treated journalists. Um, would you cover the event? Would you be Would you be going there if, if the opportunity was presented to you? Uh, yeah, I would. <clears throat> Absolutely, I would. Um, yes, Alan Shipnuck was asked to leave uh, the press conference on Thursday. Mickelson's press conference on Thursday. Now, obviously, he's sort of the reason why Phil is in the situation he's in, um, because he was the writer that, that you know, sure. was writing the unauthorized biography of Mickelson, which I, I guess is out now. Um, I would have covered out of pure curiosity. I'd like to see how it's run. I'd like to see uh, the television truck and the television set up the booth. I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by how the sausage is made anyway. So I'd like to go just see how how they've got it set up. Um it's a news event. I mean, it's a newsworthy event. So I don't have any problem with a a, uh, a member of the media being credentialed to go cover it. And I think all of us would be kind of curious. I mean, the only, you know, the only tours we've ever covered are the ones that, that exist now, the PGA Tour, right. the Corn Ferry Tour, the LPGA, PGA Tour champions. I think natural curiosity, you'd want to go see what this rogue upstart league, you know, is all about. Yeah, and I think uh, looking ahead to some of the stops in uh, the United States, including Chicago, where I'm at, mm. uh, Chicago, by the way, which is about 30 miles away from the actual city, um, it'll be interesting to see how the American fans embrace this uh, this Super League, to, so to speak. And I'm imagining that they're going to have no problem having spectators there. It was a little interesting to see that they were giving tickets literally away for free yeah. uh, to this first event. I would imagine, and I, I wonder your take on this, will they continue to have an increase in uh, gallery members? Or is this just something where it's going to, you know what, maybe fizzle out a little bit? Or is it way too early to tell at this point? I think it's too early to tell. I think that... Um you know, the curiosity factor will definitely drive a lot of people, especially in the Chicago area, maybe in the Portland area, depending upon the weather. Um, you know, there, you're, there's going to be a natural curiosity. And if, if someone gave me a free ticket, I would go watch it. Of course I would just to see, you know, what's this this team format and the shotgun start and all that kind of stuff. Um, again, as I was saying earlier, I don't know that ticket sales and attendance really matters to them yet. Uh, you know, for the first couple of years, this is going to be a lost leader. And I don't think anybody in charge cares. They just want to prove they can make it work. They they want to go from eight tournaments to 14 and then from 14 to 21 and then from 21 to whatever. Um, mm -hmm. There may come a point 
when even with a bottomless well of money behind it, um, the live golf uh, owner operators might say, you know what, we, we're kind of tired of losing money. We, we need to find some way to make a little money off of this. But that's not soon. Right. <laughs> so right. in that sense, I don't think attendance matters to them. I think that television matters. I, I, I think that they would like to find some way to broadcast it over something other than YouTube, Facebook, and their own website. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe with a, an actual rights deal where there's a network paying them, which is how this works, right? right. Um, I don't know that uh, there's any U.S. outlet at this moment that's even close to considering it. But I think that the, the bigger challenge and, and the, the thing on Norman's plate that should be number one is media rights. Mm -hmm. And then ticket sales is like fifth or sixth. You know, it's it, media rights one, players two, or, or one and one A, one one A and one B, and then you know, way down the list, uh, worry about ticket sales. Yeah, that's probably true. And I know that again, don't have crystal balls, but as far as what the PGA Tour can do legitimately, uh, aside from the the PIP program to respond and to help their players, is there anything off the top of your head that they should consider? I mean, the money issue is just never going to change. They're never going to have the kind of backing that that Liv has, right? So, and and some of the guys, I saw a stat today, the guys that were like second, fourth, and seventh in the PIP are over there playing in London on that tour. You know, I was like, <laughs> right. thanks, for, thanks for everything. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what else the PGA Tour can do other than um, – you know, make personal appeals to these players to, to try to convince them that, you know, their legacy is, is better secured playing here than it is playing there. You know, we understand the money is generational. We're doing what we can to increase purses. We've got the pit program. It's not going to be what they're paying you, but you know, between 10 million and $20 million, you're going to pay your bills forever, no matter what. So, I mean, that's the only way that I can think that they could really um, stem the tide is is by making it personal, making it one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, you know, McElroy seems to be a fairly passionate advocate, you know, on behalf of the PGA Tour. And, you know, if Tiger has turned down nine figures, then good for him. You know, I don't think, and at this age and stage, he doesn't need this. He doesn't need this any more controversy or any more attention, unwanted attention. Um, you know, maybe you get those guys to kind of help you talk to the current crop of players and say, hey, look, let's make, let's make this work here. Let's do it right here, you know? Um, but financially, the PGA Tour can't compete, and that's no secret. It's it's you're talking about an endless well of money on one side, and a very not very limited, but a limited source of income of money on the other side. That's where I keep going to as well, Wit. And it's a matter of they could shorten the season, they could shorten the tournament number of holes, they could do all those things. They just can't pay them. They can't pay that much. They're not going to pay the winner four million dollars. This is not right. going to happen. John right. Deere is not going to pay the winner $4 million. And that's the difference. <laughs> correct. Correct. Well, uh, we're right up against the clock here. And I want to thank you again, Whit, for coming on. And listeners, we're talking to Whit Watson of the Golf Channel. Um, the one last question I have for you is in regard to the equipment side. And just briefly, we've really not heard too much about the equipment sponsors saying too much about their players over there. Mm. Would you imagine that changes soon? Uh, maybe they're in the same boat of let's see how this plays out. I definitely think everybody's in a wait and see mode right now just to see how, you know, how much further is this going to go and, and how many more players are going to want to make the switch. Um, 
you know, obviously RBC made a statement about some of their ambassadors once they decided to go play. And, you know, the RBC Canadian Open going on this week, and we've spoken for 32 minutes, not even mentioned it, uh, because this thing has just, you know, Liv is dominating the headlines right now. Yes, I think that any stakeholder um, in a PGA Tour player will have to, at some point, make a decision. You know, are we going to stick with this or not? Uh, so far, the equipment manufacturers haven't jumped, um, but I wouldn't rule it out. You know, we're we're in uncharted territory right now. This is the wild, wild west. So, uh, you know, it's it, it it this is like I said, day one of event number one, and this thing is not close to being finished yet. Totally agree with you, sir. And thank you again for coming on to the show. I just want to say from a personal standpoint, I've been a huge fan of yours for many years. This is cool for me. So thank you for allowing me this time to speak. Well, thank you. Likewise, you're a very good follow on social media. I like to uh, keep up with people that are, are smart and a little bit irreverent. And I, I enjoy uh, some of the back and forth. So it's my pleasure. Thanks again. <laughs>